From a whisper to a roar, our voice has grown in strength and volume. Echoes from our past guide our future as we explore the woman's voice. And today I'd like to welcome the gorgeous Kate Smith, who is actually in the LLB studio today. It's the first time I've had someone in the studio doing a podcast, so I am super excited. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me here. And it's just a beautiful studio as well. It's just gorgeous. Thank you. I do try and make sure that it's got a nice vibe and a nice Mm -hmm. energy because uh, we work pretty deep in this studio. I often say, if these four walls could talk. There's a lot of stories that will come out of this studio. So, Kate, you're from Broken to Brilliant, the fabulous organisation that our listeners are going to learn more about today. And I'm so grateful to have you here talking to us about your journey and the ladies that you work with and, and help. I'm going to get straight into it and ask, how has your voice led you here to this studio today? So my voice has led me here by being a domestic violence survivor. And I think, did Karen Jacobson recommend or refer us? Absolutely, the beautiful Karen Jacobson who we've had on the podcast, The Voice of Siri. Yes, so Karen is um, Broken to Brilliance International patron. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And she's also also the voice of um, our first book, Broken to Brilliant. Mm-hmm. She's she did the whole book, and then she's the voice in our subsequent books, Terror to Triumph and Shattered to Shining. And so, Karen recommended or referred me here. But my voice as a domestic violence survivor is my voice was squashed. My voice wasn't heard, and to be able to feel like I could do something and to rebuild my life, I had to I had to found the charity. And I founded the charity with my friend and co um, and she's a survivor as well, Andrea. So we're the co-founders. And we founded Broken to Brilliant back in oh, it launched in 2016. However, we did two years of pre-work before that to get the book Broken to Brilliant to print. But because there was no there was no support for our long-term recovery. There was, I had immense support and I'm so grateful for the immense support that I had during the crisis and getting out. So there was police and there was lots of services and there was legal services and women's services and um, psychologists. And this was for your own personal my experience? my own personal experience okay. as a survivor. Yeah, and I, and I had to leave the other side of the country and come all across and back to the east coast take bring my children with me to be safe wow and there just wasn't enough support and I had a dear friend in the west who stayed and we did our phone conversations to support each other Mm -hmm. and I met Andrea at a barbecue and her and my our voices were similar we were fast-paced and go you know trying to get things done and angry that things weren't there wasn't enough support and just couldn't believe the systematic abuse that continued when you're trying to rebuild and put a roof over your head and get social security and get supports and and you're denied you're denied Mm. the help and regardless of what you said you were not believed you were like it was incredible what happened so because of that I felt like we needed to 
we called, what did we call it first? I think um, Nicola from the West and myself, we called it WAVE first. It was Women Against Abuse and Violence and Entitlement. And that was because we were in that angry voice phase where you go through after coming out of, you know, abusive relationships and you, know, you go through grief and loss and anger or, you know, that whole phase. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we waited before starting the charity. We waited probably, you know, 10 years or so, but and we, we talked about it and voiced it and, and conversed about it and had phone calls and did mud maps and until it formulated and we became in a better place. Mm. We moved into mm-hmm. a better place and our voice was in a better place and I'd done lots of work like the amount of personal development that my family did, my, mm. me and my two children, mm-hmm. we were really immersed in personal development. And that changed our voice. That changed us mm. for the better as well. And we became more grateful and positive. And that is the foundation now for the charity to support survivors, to give them their voice and help them move through from after the crisis, we support post-leaving um, so, and help them move through to rebuild their lives and to t- um, regain their own sense of self and to reconnect with their own voice. Wow. Thanks for sharing, Kate. Look, we could talk about your story and the depths mm-hmm. of your story, I'm sure, for hours. But something that I tapped into as a vocal coach there and you said it consciously was that frenetic pace. When you come out of being in a life or death environment, really, that frenetic energy that leads you into every conversation. Now that your years passed and your voice has recalculated, recalibrated, it's slowed down in pace. You've mentioned that you did a lot of work. Mm. Have you got some key points that you know absolutely made that frenetic energy subside? The practice of gratitude, Mm -hmm. that was incredible. And, and I read a book. I can't remember the name of the book at the moment, but I did uh, by, oh, I've just gone blank on the, on the name of the book, sorry. But I, I'm like, the lady who I stayed with for five months when we were secondary homeless, she just couldn't believe all the things that were going on. So she gave me this book and it was around positive thinking. And in that it said you had to be, you needed to count your blessings and be grateful for what you had. And I'm thinking, <laughs> who the hell are you to tell me that I've just lost yeah. and you know you can imagine the the swear words that were going off in yeah. my head and the cursing that was going off however I thought oh well, what have I got to lose so I got out a little notebook and it was spiral bound notebook and I used to write in that on the train so I wrote the 10 things because he said write 10 things so I wrote 10 things and as I was writing these 10 things the tears streamed down lucky I had big black sunglasses (laughs) on you know dripping under the sunglasses onto my lap on the train people must have thought all sorts of things and I would do that every morning on the train because you're because you're actually you're quite anxious you're defensive Mm -hmm. if people say something to you the tone of the voice can trigger you Mm -hmm. the way if they criticize you or something you you trigger and Mm -hmm. I still catch 
myself triggering now. Mm-hmm. And I even triggered this week and started to go down the gurgler, <laughs> down, and you, and you know you, you can feel yourself going. And I had to pull myself back up. Mm-hmm. It's like being on a slippery dip and you're starting to lose grip. You know when you're a kid and you slide down and you go, mm-hmm. it's like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not fun, it's dark. And so I know when I'm doing that and I catch myself and go, wake up, it's okay, and start practising gratitude or, or or do some movement and just making sure and take a breath and then focus mm-hmm. on what I have mm-hmm. and being grateful. Grateful, we're in Australia. Oh, all right. In uh, 2021, I don't want to be anywhere, anywhere else in the world. Exactly. I'm, I've never been more grateful than, than being here right now. I think that that's really powerful and I talk about a lot the this subtleness of these practices it doesn't have to be rocket science you know literally sitting on a on a train and writing down what you're grateful for can shift that space and I think that it would be difficult to come out of that very frenetic defensive space and think that something so simple can actually help move mountains, can't it? Oh, yeah. incredibly so. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen with one writing. No. It was a, a practice mm. and it's a gratitude practice and I continue that now. Mm. And now I will, I don't necessarily write it down now. Mm-hmm. What I do is I think it. Mm. I mean, at the time I had A3 sticky notes beside my bed mm-hmm. and I would read those before I went to bed and I would read them when I get, got up in the morning. Yes. Plus I had the the notebook on the train mm. now I will go for a walk in the in nature and I might take a photo of, of something that grabs my attention and I'll, I'll be thankful for mother nature mm. and I'll just say it in my head of what I'm thankful for and it just shifts because I've done the practice mm-hmm. it shifts you and what does it shift <clears throat> it shifts as an inner yeah so what does it shift it's quite hard to describe because it's it's inside your stomach, the feelings you have in your stomach, it's inside your heart and your heart sort of starts to swell with a bit of joy and, and vibration of acceptance and warmth and it changes the voice in your head mm-hmm. to not focusing on all the negative because we can ruminate and focus on that but focusing and being more grateful and positive and having positive language and words. And then you start to feel it in every cell in your body and you sort of it brings a, a higher lift mm-hmm. in your posture. A lightness. A lightness. Things, yeah, things lift off. The weight yeah. lifts up. You feel lighter in yourself. Your cells feel more alive. You feel like smiling. You are smiling. Yeah. yeah. And you are smiling. And then it catch everything all parts of your body catch up with Mm -hmm. the thought process and the practice of gratitude because everything lifts when you smile. And so how long did that feeling, when you first started practising this, how long did that feeling last before you would feel yourself going down that tunnel and you'd have to practise it? Because I would imagine today those spaces between the tunnel, let's call it, are far apart but when you first start practicing it could be only minutes and you need to go back into that space absolutely it was 
So I use busyness mm-hmm. in the beginning mm-hmm. to fill the space between the practice because I worked and kept busy and had to do all these things. There's lots of things you have to do. So I would practice in the morning as I got up. I'd practice on the train. I'd go to work. I'd practice on the train home and I'd have it on my wall mm-hmm. at night. That went on for years. Yes. Years. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You've I 100% put, understand. You've got to put the effort in if you want to turn turn yourself around and and yeah. and come out the other side yeah do you know what i want to put on my headstone you've got to be bothered you've got to be bothered that's yeah. good yeah because i think that that at the end of the day is what life is about mm-hmm. you're only going to get what you put in and i think that the word that you've used so eloquently today is practice oh right you have to practice this doesn't have, there's no tablet, there's no, no. one piece of information, yep. uh, there's no one book. Exactly. Not one day. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely a journey of rehabilitation, isn't it? And it's a long-term journey. And there's been lots of research into this. Mm. So um, a researcher by Deb Loxton's done some compared women that haven't experienced um, domestic violence yes. to women who have experienced yes. and the long-term impacts after 16 years, after very incredible mental, physical, and they can last forever. So it's it's an unknown of how, the impacts of how people don't understand. People think you're out. Yeah. All's good. Why aren't you happy and smiling? Uh, you know, you're out and what's wrong with you? Well, it goes back to that analogy of you've really been wounded you know, if you had a physical scar, the scar aches, it has triggers, it gets stiff, it gets sore. And really the emotional internal scars are there and they do take years. And it really has an impact on your confidence, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yes. And if I think about that, so when we do our programs with domestic violence survivors and women, and we've had some men join us as well, and we, they walk in to the centre where we're doing our program. So I remember this gorgeous lady and she walked in and her head was, you know, down, her eyes were cast mm. down, her shoulders were slumped forward and she was trying to make herself small mm. and her voice was small mm. as well and she was apologetic. Mm. And as we went through the, it was a, because it's a living workshop and as we went through all, this, all that, practices and activities and and the writing because this was the book writing workshop we could see her starting to regain confidence and she'd be talking with all of us and connecting with us and sharing her voice and sharing her her story and writing her story and we take people through the bad part and then bring them up and out and see how much they've recovered and what they've done and give them their voice for what they have done and she walked out of that workshop a changed woman she was tall standing tall she was holding her head high and she was looking at us and she her voice was louder more confident Mm, and she said to us I feel changed yeah it was incredible and her voice you could hear it in her voice it was just and that's why we do this work I, I just had a vision of a phoenix rising Yes, Just absolutely. Beautiful. Yes. What, a, what an amazing experience for you now to take those women through those journeys and yep. it's so rewarding. Not everyone has the drive that you've got 
and and the the want and the desire and look fundamentally the strength what is it in you have you identified what is that driving force that's kept you going that's interesting uh people do use that word for me that i have this drive and it's i don't know what it's filled they call me the ever ready bunny or something like that (laughs) (laughs) and i've had it I think I was born with a drive. My parents were driven as well. Being in private enterprise, you have to be driven mm-hmm. to be able to do that type of um, industry. And my mum always had drive. And even at school, there was a drive as well, as in being in different committees and making sure if things the teachers were doing weren't right, I had this drive to make it right. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been on a committee all my entire life. Wow. So at school, at university, as um, in my kids' schools, mm. in the community, because I can see things that need to be done or I want to do or I want to make a change, so I have this internal belief that something needs to be done and you've got to get out there and do it. Yeah, you've got to make a change. If you want it, you can't wait. Mm-hmm. You can't wait for government to make the change. They're not going to make the change. We've got to go tell government the change needs to be made. Mm-hmm. And if you want to wait for that, you could be waiting for a long time. So where where are the change makers? Yeah, where are the change makers? So you were brought up in an environment where you were proactive. You were out there doing things. You were that's a good word influenced yeah. by your parents which instilled something within you and look not all families have that capacity no and i do like to open up the conversation with mothers who are raising or mothers and fathers that are raising young girls on how to instill confidence and make sure that they have a voice in themselves as they raise them. What would be your advice to parents and families in raising young girls so that they too have a driving force, something that that can keep them going if they found themselves in a similar situation? Mm. And it depends on each individual child. Mm. You've really got to make, instead of enforcing what, what you think is right for them because you could be putting your likes onto your child. And I had to be careful with this because I had two very distinct children, mm-hmm. you know, same out of the same piece, out of the same pod, but poles apart from each other and making sure the school was right for them. Mm-hmm. That was really critical and it was a big lesson that I learned as well, picking the school that matched especially with you know, my daughter, she changed schools because it didn't match her. So that being able to give them a space where they fit enables them to have their voice as well. But linking them into things that they like. So we tested lots of different activities. didn't matter if they didn't like them. So we tested gymnastics and ballet mm. and choir and, and just try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. Just try it. But connected them to community. They are involved in community activities. They are involved in the committee for the school fate. We made it possible for the kids to contribute to the committee work. Mm. So making sure they're connected to community and asking them what do you think is going to work, asking them to have a voice. Have a a voice, have an opinion. Yes, exactly. And then listening. Really powerful. That's a hard bit. You've got to listen and then let them do that. <laughs> I always wanted strong, independent and articulate articulate children. And when I got it, I was like, mm, maybe 
maybe I don't want that anymore. Yeah, exactly, because they're very independent and off they go. And <laughs> How do you feel your life experiences have affected the tone of your voice today? Well, the, they've made the tone of my voice and my tone of voice has changed. It's changed depending on what had been going on. So it has been meek and mild and not being able to speak out when, you know, I was keeping the white picket fence painted and not telling anybody what was going on. So, and then it, and even, so it's quite interesting if if I go back and be chronological, Mm -hmm. in school I had a loud, powerful voice and I expressed my views to the teacher's, you know, dislike. And even at university I was like that. So I had this strong opinionated voice, quite direct probably, and then, Coming, it got modulated, but society, you know, you, you go out in the veranda because you shouldn't be saying those things. Mm. So you start to get the social impact on your voice. And so you have to change your voice. And I learned to change my voice depending on the teacher and the situation and even, you know, family and friends. Then you learn to change your voice for the workplace. And so you start to have different voices and then, you know, and coming out out of a, a situation that causes grief and trauma, you have a different voice. So I, you know, grief, sad, angry, you know, all those types of things. So depending on where you are, your voice is like a roller coaster. It changes. Mm-hmm. And at the moment I have a grateful voice and a voice that wants to make change, that's where I think I'm at. And I think that the story today is very much about go and find your voice, isn't it? And while I completely understand and in some cases it is is about going and finding your voice, I do believe that we're always, we've always got a voice. Mm. But as you've said just now, we because of society and the conditioning of society, depending on where you've come from and your upbringing, we change our voice to adapt because we want to be accepted, we want to be good children. I feel that as adults we start to want to go back to the voice that we were born with and reconnect to that voice and then it's a process of identifying the characteristics that we've taken on over the years and finding our true voice, Mm -hmm. which is our physical voice and feeling that vibration sometimes for the first time as an adult, feeling that vibration and that truth within our, our bodies. Does that resonate? It does absolutely resonates. And, and it's, it's a work, it's a practice. Once again, there's that word practice, but it's finding how you can speak your truth and it's finding that friend or that person who you can say that to. And there's, I will, I go to Toastmasters to help okay. me find my voice and to right. practice with speaking in front of people. I get so nervous. <laughs> so I do that on purpose to, to help connect with my voice. And I was going to say about, it's not just society as in peer peers that help to change our voice. It's also legislation and different acts Mm -hmm. that will 
stop you from being able to say what you want to be able to say because it's defamation laws and things Absolutely. like that. So we, <clears throat> so our voice, it's not just the verbal voice because you have the written voice, the song voice, the poetic voice, mm-hmm. all of the different, the creative artistic voice, mm-hmm. crafty voice. Mm-hmm. So your voice is is in different it's not just a singing voice or a speaking voice. It's no. a, it's a, it's you, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's an it's an embodiment. <laughs> yes. Now I've got a picture of a beautiful quilt, you know, like a quilt that your grandmother's made, and it's yeah. got all different colors and textures, and and that's absolutely the way that I work is being able to what color is your voice and what texture is your voice, and we're going to talk about that today and uh, identify some of that for you. I wanted before we get there though, I wanted to ask you. What stopped you from speaking your truth? Now, mm. there is an obvious answer to this, yeah, yeah. and forgive me for asking something so obvious, but would you share that? Fear, fear for my life. And physical life. Physical life, fear for my physical life, mm-hmm. fear for my children's physical life. Mm-hmm. And also, so that was real and one part of it, but the confusion of because they make you think it's you. Yeah, it's you. And so am I dreaming this? Is this really happening? Is this, I was confused. I wasn't really sure what was happening. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't name it as domestic violence. Now, I've got training and I've done education in domestic violence through my nursing studies. I didn't use that name for what I was experiencing. So you had the training before you went into, oh, wow, the DV experience. Yeah. So I didn't connect the dots, even with all the studies that I had done, I did not connect the dots that I was in a domestic violence relationship. So when I, we were doing family relationship counselling, now it doesn't always work on your first contact with the first counsellor that you go to. So I recommend that if you do go to, you find one that works and fits and feels good because my voice was not heard in the first at all and I'm thinking oh this is making me feel like I'm all I'm to blame the whole entire time which I I really didn't think that I was 100% at fault Mm. we found a different service and um that was when that was when my voice was really heard and two very astute one male one female counsellor in the room with us together then said this is really interesting conversations that we're having. We'd like to talk to you both separately and took us apart. And then the lady counsellor informed me that I was in a domestic violence relationship. I went, oh, no, I'm not. It's all about blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she goes, yes, well, those things are a part of it, but you are. And it took her Oh, easily three months with her whiteboard and her demonstration because I was in such strong denial that that's not happening to me and I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of all of those things and she put it up on the whiteboard and we'd have it all there and we'd so which part, which red flags have been happening for you this week? Wow. And we'd be ticking them off. Mm-hmm. So I really needed to understand what it was and see it in my life to be able to turn around and then go, okay, I am, and seek more help 
and everything was starting to escalate then. So I had to leave. What a fantastic space for you to have landed in and thankfully you had that guidance, really. You had had that. And would you say then that your life saved your, that your voice saved your life? Yes, because I kept seeking help, asking Mm. for help from different services. Mm. We kept I think we did just about every service in that community (laughs) because (laughs) it wasn't working. So I kept expressing the need for help. Even that voice that's inside of you, that inquiring mind to go, am I crazy? Is this really happening? Yeah. Just to listen to that, isn't it? That that it it has kept you going. Exactly. And, And the information that I would receive you know, we went to different um, self-help groups and they provide you with pamphlets and booklets and I remember having them beside, you know, beside me and I'd read them at night and I'd tick off, I think that's that's happening, I think that's happening, and I would put them in a special bag which ended up being taken away. But that was critical for me to process because I needed to process how all of that was happening and because you're so confused. I don't really think people understand. Like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm intelligent and I'm educated, but I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. I was so blind to it and, and my voice was swapped around. So if I challenged the situation in my own four walls, I was made to feel like I had it all wrong. I was confused. I'd mixed up the whole situation and that didn't happen at all and then you start second guessing yourself and and being confused and and even for the children it happened for them so they they would say one thing and you know my partner would say one thing and and you just be going I can't piece this puzzle together but something wasn't right something wasn't right and luckily right if it doesn't feel right there's probably you need to listen to that inner voice of it's not right and we squash that Yes. We squashed that in our stomach and I I met a really lovely lady. Her name is Monica and and I met her when I was um, on the other side of Australia and one thing that she used to teach her kids and it was beautiful and I remember it, if if something's happening and you're in the middle of a group of kids and and your stomach is starting to churn and it doesn't feel right, listen to your intuition, listen, and we turn it off. And that's our own inner voice of protection and survival. Mm-hmm. And we've... Well, self-doubt, self-doubt and manipulation and, and that imposter that comes in mm. and, and makes you question, doesn't it? Yeah. We're going to shift gears. <laughs> And I'm going to ask you, do you like the sound of your own voice? Now, if I'm listening to my voice now, it sounds normal and it's because I can hear it and it vibrates through the bones and things, so it's a bit deeper. But if I listen to a replay or mm-hmm. a recording, mm-hmm. uh-uh, I do not like that because it sounds squeaky and yes. high-pitched Yes, and it's a, it doesn't sound like me. A lot of a lot of upper partials and emotion in in the tone, and there's no layering to the tone. So yeah, I want to ask if Oprah's voice was a color, what color do you think it would be? I think it will be a rainbow color. Oh, nice! I haven't had anyone <laughs> say it's a rainbow. I like that. Yeah, because her voice has resonated to so many people true and it's like this 
it's cohesive. Everybody looks at a rainbow and seeks it's inclusion. Inclusion, too, that's it? it. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. She was, yeah. she was, she was you know, really one of the, the first to really start that inclusion movement, wasn't yes. it, to get us thinking differently. Yep. What woman's voice was the biggest influence in your life growing up? There wasn't just one. Okay. Because if I think, because if I think back, there at different ages and stages, there was different women in my life. Mm-hmm. So there were my grandparents. So, and then there was my aunties, and there were school teachers, mm-hmm. and my mum's friends, and then my friends. If you think about all of those voices, you take on characteristics don't you you take on little bits and pieces don't you yeah absolutely so if you close your eyes today you would still feel their voices resonating around in in the pit of your stomach really or in your heart or in your head wherever it is yeah and you can they they can come back to you somebody will say something and you'll go oh that reminds me of that person and what they said and and you know not all of them are positive but you know the majority are positive and it's interesting how they help shape you and your voice. And was probably that drives part of that driving force. So mm. they're still driving you to strong country ask the women. question. Yeah. <laughs> strong, I love a strong country woman. I'm from Ararat, Victoria, so I know strong country women. All right. So now that we've established Oprah's colour, in comparison, your voice today. What colour would you say your voice is? Green. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Not only is it my favourite colour and the colour of the charity logo, mm-hmm. um, it's green because it's about growth, it's about new life, renewal. Yes. And that's what I've been focusing on and working through and doing and trying to help others do. Can I dare ask you what colour you think it was, your voice was, when you had just left? Black. Okay. Very negative. Okay. Very nasty. Because I, I was so angry mm. at the, I was, I call it angry at the world. Yeah. Because so many things were done wrong mm. and uh, I was angry, very angry. So that was channeled in inappropriate mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today you are fundamentally a leader in this field. I know that you're working with uh, the Women's Legal Service here in Queensland and you are helping a lot of people. What voice do you use in your leadership style today? Now, it depends on the situation, but I would say heartfelt, lived experience, Mm-hmm. evidence-based and passionate. Great. So that's your authentic voice? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. What do you consciously do today to make sure that your body and your voice mm-hmm. is in peak physical condition to help you live your purpose, which is quite clearly is to help other women? Yeah. I'm focused on a healthy diet, mm-hmm. and uh, I also focus on um, physical activity. So I try and go for a walk, you know, do 30 minutes of uh, exercise each day, walking, 
Um, at the moment, I'm doing Pilates. I do like doing Zumba. I do some weights now, um, you know, not too much. I'm not big bench pressing, but at least, you know, five kilo arm weights, leg weights, things like that, because we know that strength and balance is important. And, you know, going for walks in the in nature, do a gratitude walk on Saturday morning. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Is that something that you organise through the charity? Through the charity? Oh, wow. We do it in different locations. So we do it through um, natural, uh, the natural parks and then along um, the foreshore at Woody Point. Okay. Yeah. And can anyone join that? Is yeah. that something that they can just con- contact you through yeah, your website? Our, it's on our website. So we host them each Saturday morning and they're on the website and you just join and we do do the practice of gratitude. So when we're walking along and chatting, we share with our walking buddy what we're grateful for just to mm. get us into that focus and at the end we stop and have coffee of course <laughs> you have to have your morning coffee particularly on a saturday yeah all right so i mentioned to you today that we might explore playing with the voice straw yes, okay yes. so the voice straw is our official sponsor here on the podcast and i've given you your very own mm, set today which you. is very exciting and i thought that we might just play with this for a minute yeah. and give you some exercises that you can go away and practice connecting to your physical voice. Now, mm-hmm. this is designed to make sure that your the breath pressure and your cords are fully aligning, okay? So what we might do is just get you to sit up nice and tall so that you've got a nice high sternum, you know, crunching down into your abdomen. Mm-hmm. And I want you to start, you're just going to on R or just I'll do it first. Yep. Okay, just for the listeners out there, this is going to be weird. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go, ah. You should see her face. She's looking at me going, oh my goodness. Doesn't matter if it cracks, does whatever. We're here to play. Let's try. Mm-hmm. Can you do it again? For okay. Me? So just start in the fry. So it's, ah. Okay. Oh. Uh... <laughs> everyone at home, everyone at home is absolutely applauding. So, we're going to use Big Betty. There's four different size straws for the listeners at home. There's four different size straws and the big the biggest one is called Big Betty affectionately. And what I want you to do is you're going to blow into the straw and you're going to blow with your cheeks out. So you're going to go that's it. Can you do it with and make a sound? Good girl. Can you try and make that sound that we just heard going? Excellent. Now I want you to try and make sure that you kiss the straw so your lips are gently puckering forward. And I want you to feel like you've got Count Dracula in the back of your throat. So you're going, bah. Bah, and you're going to blow through the straw. You're going to feel that openness in the back of the throat. Let's try that. I've got to stop mm. giggling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
can feel my back of my throat vibrating. Exactly. Absolutely. So by getting the right pressure in the cords, we're going to create resonance, which means you're going to feel the voice differently. Not just hear the voice differently, you're going to feel oh. the voice differently. So let's grab the twins out. So the twins are two small straws, and it depends on your physical makeup and what sort of day you've had, if you're tired, etc. So we're going to blow into these. You're going to feel a different pressure. Always make sure that your cheeks are blowing out and you're going to feel that bubble in the back of the throat again. So you're going to go. Mm. Mm. Good. Does that feel different? Yeah, it all really vibrates in there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Let's see if we can just go up a little bit higher so we can go. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> and we'll do one more little exercise. I want you to say, that's not my porridge. And we're going to do it in a mama bear, a baby bear, and a papa bear voice. Okay. So we'll go first of all, baby bear, mama bear, and papa bear. But I'm going to do it into the straw. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll do it first. We're mm-hmm. going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> If you could see my face, I've got my cheeks out and my larynx is open and my throat. I look a little bit like a, a, bo- a bloatfish or a bullfrog or something. Don't <laughs> okay. Can you try okay. that? So we're going to start high, then in the middle, and then in the bottom. Well done. Thank you for being such a good sport. I'm going to give you some more information so that you can practice that and take that away because still feel it. Yeah, it's a different sensation, and that's that'll be really beneficial for your for your ladies in helping them reconnect Mm -hmm. to their physical voice. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So, look, before we finish up today. What advice would you give to help women reconnect to their voice today? Take a moment. Take a moment because we don't give ourselves just Mm. a moment. Just breathe in and breathe out and say, you are brave and brilliant Mm -hmm. and resilient and listen to that positive little phrase because that's what women are. Absolutely. Thank you. How beautiful. I want to ask what's next for your voice and and the Broken to Brilliant organisation? Well, we've got lots of things on this year. We've launched a couple of different programs this year. We've got um, the Broken to Brilliant Blogging Gems, which has started. Fantastic. Yeah, so the the Blogging Gems is, uh, Gems is an acronym for Gratitude, Exercise, Meditation, Support and Service. And um, the participants are going to be practising those self-care strategies and then blogging about their experiences. So you'll be able to read about that on the website. We've also got the HEART program. So that's the Healing Equine Art Resilience Therapy Program. Oh, I love that. Isn't that just beautiful? And that's happening down in the um, Gold Coast hinterland as well. Okay. And we run these. These are domestic violence survivors mm-hmm. running these programs with, you know, we have different skill sets. And we've also got the DV Art 
program, which is um, Domestic Violence, Amazing, Resilient Thrivers Art. And that's to showcase a survivor's journey of recovery Mm-hmm. and what they did in into art and that's you know because people need different modalities to be able to heal and connect with them with themselves yes and so that's why we have narrative therapy and equine therapy and exercise and um mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. and this is run by um, an art therapist as well um and that's going to culminate in an art show we're hoping COVID you know allowing allowing us to be able to do that and then Andrea and myself uh, we have written a cookbook called Frugal Food now that's we're going to donate 10% of the proceeds back to um, Broken to Brilliant um, and we're going to sell that but it's around it's got four weeks it's got recipes in there where you can feed your family on a budget and these are recipes that we use when we were single moms bringing up our kids and be being very very frugal mm-hmm. and um, trying to you know put food on the table mm-hmm. so we've created meal plans mm-hmm. shopping lists um, cooking recipes and put it all in there together and there's two there's um, a fortnight of vegetarian as well and and we've just about we're just at the final editing stages of that fantastic I love (laughs) love the creative genius that has come out of the the trauma and there's so much for us all to learn thank you for being so brave and coming here and talking to me today but not just that thank you for the work that you are doing and and we all understand because of COVID there's been a significant spike in Mm. domestic violence right across the country and it is a big issue and we have to keep forging forward and be yep. the voices for the women who can't speak yet yet exactly thank you thank, thank you very you. much thanks for joining me today to strengthen your voice you want to be heard and you deserve to be heard we're here to make sure that the woman's voice is heard i'm lisa lachlan bell and together we are the woman's voice thanks to our official sponsor the voice draw for more information on your voice go to thewomansvoice.com.au